0: Have you seen my wife, Betty? Yes. Isn't she sweet? Betty, show us. stand up and show us who you are. She hates it when I do this. Stand up. Isn't that nice? She's, uh, you know that woman, God bless me so much. So much. Uh, she's what I needed. And, and of course, that's what we wanted to be. I was telling yesterday how she's, she's generous and I'm stingy. Remember that story I told? and God brought her into my life, not for me to make her like me, but to bring somebody in my life that I needed to have. And I think we need that in our experience. By the way, I, I have a new ministry in uh, a New Ministry, and I'm now one of the greeters. When you see me ring my eye, you know what's coming next is a joke. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm a greeter in my church. You know how the greeters shake hands? Well, I, my hands just shake automatically. So so I'll just stick them out there when the person comes in. They stick their hand in my hand and I shake it. Isn't that a nice thing to do? But I, I was saying, you know, with what I have, I have a couple of things. Uh, I'm not saying I wouldn't or there's anything wrong with it, but I thought to myself, I would like to pray that the Lord would heal me. There's no cure for what I've got. It gets worse and worse. Somebody said it's the gift that never stops taking. And so I could see myself, God forbid, in a wheelchair or the next time you see me with a cane and so forth. But anyway, I, I'm thinking to myself, should I ask God to heal me? Well, I'd sure like to do that. But if well, why would he heal me and leave the others sick? Am I better than all the rest of the people? You understand what I'm saying. So I don't talk much about that to the Lord. I do. I pray for compassion. Because, you know, if you see a blind person, you don't think much about it. Don't misunderstand me. Blind people are all over the place, so we look at them. Or a person in a wheelchair, you look at it. But I want to tell you, when I look at blind people and wheelchair people, I feel it because I'm one of them. And uh, anyway, it's not an easy thing. We're, uh, and another thing I pray for, and I, I don't think it's selfish, I pray for strength to bear the cross, which I must bear. And uh, of course it makes the coming of Jesus m- more meaningful to me. Of course, if you're 75 years old, the coming of Jesus is it's, it's really near. I've already used up my allotment. You know, when you get to be 70, that's about the end of the line. I noticed some of you 70-year-olds are starting to, you know, look depressed. (laughs) But not really, not really. I think I told you yesterday, for those who weren't here, how I had a cataract surgery. Uh, uh, Anyway... uh, it's simple these days. Remember, back in the old days, they put your head in a pillow and all that, and you had to keep stiff. But anyway, I'm laying on the uh, on the operating table, and you know me—I kind of, you know, smile and joke around. And uh, so the doctors and the nurses were around me, and I'm carrying on with them. And then I say to them, "When are you going to put me to sleep?" And they say, "We already have." <laughs> no, seriously. And there I was talking and joking. They put me to sleep, and I didn't know I'd been asleep, and I was awake. That's the resurrection. Boy, did that comfort me in the moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. And by the way, those of us who go beforehand, we get a privilege. We get to go first. Isn't that right? The dead in Christ shall what? Rise first, and then the ones that remain. Uh, let me tell you something else. Can I continue with the warm-up here, just a few minutes? Uh, I forgot what it was, Betty. I, uh, she she forgot that part. I'll, it'll come to me. You know, uh, when you get to be our age, you could say that I'm having a senior moment. But uh, really, we people we remember everything we've ever done. We just don't know what file it's in. You understand that and so in fact I was praying for my grandchildren I have four of them and if you don't have grandchildren yet call your married children in and say honey you owe me <laughs> you owe me I don't want money back uh, but anyway uh, I, I was Betty and I were praying and uh, and I came to time for me to pray and I forgot the name of my grandchildren and so I just prayed for the little children down the street. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, by the way, if you don't pray, I, in a sermon that I preach about, uh, about the Christian home, I realized one day that I was praying with anybody and everybody, with anything and everything. If you'd said to me, go pray with a piano, I, I just kind of wondered what I was going about. Oh, yeah, yes. See, we ministers are paid to pray. Go pray with a piano. All right. In other words, phone rings. Hello, Pastor Oville. How would you pray for me? Yes, ma'am. Now, now, I'm just, you know, I'm exaggerating. But I realized one day that I was praying with anybody and everybody and anything and everything, but I wasn't praying with Betty. Now, don't misunderstand me. I was praying before we ate and, you know. And, but to just pray, listen to me, fellas, just with her out loud, just the two of us, we prayed with the children, we had our family worship, but just the two of us that pray out loud. You know, we men have a hard time being spiritual. Have you noticed that, fellas? Our, our wives are many times the spiritual leaders in our homes, and they're filling in a, uh, a vacuum. And so I've started some years ago praying with Betty out loud. You know, when you pray out loud, you say things that, that it brings you closer together it's not sexy but it's it, 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 it bonds us so if, if husband and wife now I know that the people who are here would be inclined to do that but if you don't pray out loud with your wife not not with the kids there just the two of you if you don't do that do that would you do that and now I know what happens if you don't do that. You go. Why not when you go home to, the, to your home after the camp meeting, uh, Come time to go to bed, you say to your wife, well, shall we? Well, the pastor said maybe we ought to. Let's do. When I first started that, it was a little embarrassing, even though I'm a minister paid to pray. So, fellas, if you don't pray with your, with your wife, do that. Okay, I've got some, some uh, information that I've just written down before I go to the regular sermon. Oh, by the way, I have a website. I noted it's, it's revivalsermons.org. It has 70 uh, 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 sermon manuscripts that I've done through the years. There's a series, on, for example, on holiness, on godliness. And uh, I have a tendency, because it's meaningful to me, towards the practical Christian life. I don't speak Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic, but I do want my life huh, to be for Jesus. You, you know, what I don't want to happen is that I come to church and I shake your hands saying, welcome to, welcome to church, we're so glad to see you. While my wife Betty sitting in the back saying, shut your mouth, I wish they knew the way you really are. Some people come to church and to Sabbath school and they are not the same people that they were when they left home. And so that's doing damage to us. So I want to be the kind of person, not that's perfect, but the kind of person that Betty can look at me and say, he's not perfect, but he wants to be. Uh, Isn't that right? Let's do that so that we don't show up as a hypocrite, albeit unspoken, to our family and to our children is there anything else yes here I go let's don't say I mentioned this this week that the church has apostatized now, lots of things are going on in the church many many really tough serious things but uh, it's not my father and my mother but who is it it's me oh Lord listen the church hasn't apostatized because I haven't apostatized have you so have some apostatized? Yes. Have you apostatized? I hope no. Has the church apostatized then? No. Some have, but by God's grace, we haven't and we won't. Does that make sense? Be careful how you treat the church. You know, about some years ago, uh, the, Ohio, the Florida conference where I work, which was one of the uh, most fiscally uh, uh, healthy very large conference, really big it began to have financial problems, a serious one and so it decided it was going to let go 50 workers it was going to let go 25 in the office and 25 pastors I was one of the 25 in the office and uh, I mean it wasn't just me and I wasn't fired they just collapsed uh, the uh, what was that department? We called it Home Missionary, but it's... Anyway, they collapsed my department and the others. I hate to say this. Can I confess something to you? I wanted revenge. You know what I'm saying? It's that neat kick. And I thought, well, I hope that they continue with their financial problems. That'll get even with them. That'll teach them what not to do. But one day I realized this is, this is heresy for me to, work, uh, to wish that evil upon the church of God is pure rebellion and of the devil. So, so uh, what the church needs is our prayer. We need to pray for ourselves. Let's, let, in fact, I say to people, I, I've had a blessing in my ministry because I, I, I'm a very conservative person, but the people know that I'm loyal. I'm a loyal son of the church, and that's what I want to challenge you. Be loyal sons and daughters of the church. It may not be going like we would pray that it would go, but it's going. and and And, and let's not figure that the whole uh, Adventist Church is in Ohio or in Florida. Listen, it's in Africa, it's in Asia, it's everywhere. What's going on maybe here is not going on everywhere. Let's not treat everybody as if they were us. Does that make sense? We've got to do that. Don't talk about the church in its global sense. It's all over the place, and it's not like maybe some troubles. I I was in Latin America, in Mexico, and I said to them, don't import anything from North America. Don't do it because we don't have much good to offer. Because I'm, thank God, that in Latin America the work's going like crazy. In fact, up here in uh, in the states, we talk about the church in the states being one of the fastest-growing churches. And then you know, that that what they you know that's that's the Latin church. That's the Latin church, and that's the West Indian church. The uh, the Caucasians are disappearing and they're worried about how to get that. And one of the things they're using is some of these far-out things. Some of the leaders of our church are going crazy to to win white people, if I can say it that way. So they're bringing in all kinds of weird worship things. I feel very strongly about worship tendencies in so many churches. From the very beginning, I have been, I'm going to use the word enemy of the new worship style. And I put this into my preaching and in everywhere. But they know I'm a loyal son of the church. So I can see those, say those things and get away with it. And I told you when you're a grandpa, you can get away with lots of stuff. <laughs> anyway, I've written this down, what you think. There are those who teach that it's okay to worship God according to your culture. The stories recorded in the Old Testament say no. Sacred history is clear that to do it your way or my way or their way is not necessarily God's way. When God took offense at homegrown worship styles in the Old Testament, the results were hardly accepting. Just because we haven't seen the ground open up doesn't mean that God is pleased with the worship styles that are growing amongst us. I remember one time the, my, the conference president said, Dick, we want you to go to Willow Creek. And I said to him, why are you sending me to Willow Creek? You know what that's about. You know how I feel about it. And he said, we're sending it to get another point of view. And anyway, I'm, I, I, I'm disappointed uh, with those who feel that we need to uh, to go to the uh, brethren on the outside. And I say brethren because there's so many honest and hard out there. I told you how when I was a boy, I thought if you ate a hamburger, you didn't love Jesus. I thought that. But we realized, I've been in an airport where they pray before they eat. And I thought, thank God, we're not the only one. Isn't that nice to know that? And, 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 and by the way, let me just say this before I go on. If someone asks you what Seventh-day Adventists are like, Tell them what we have in common before you tell them the differences. We start out by saying that we're born again Christians. That's where you start. You know, normally we want to say, "What's it like to be at Seventh Day Adventist?" Well, we keep Saturday. Hold it back. Don't do that. Anyway, uh, does that make sense to you? Absolutely. Uh, sometimes with my little hands doing this, I can't read my own writing. Uh, Here's an experience I had when Betty and I were in Bermuda. I I was going to preach like I am today, and I'm setting up the front there, and I see there's a fellow sitting with a set of drums over here. Uh, And and the fellow sitting beside me, that was his dad. And I whispered to him, who was the head elder in the church, I said, tell your dad not to play the drums. And I told you you can do that when you get to be white-haired. And so he went over and whispered to his dad, and his dad didn't play the drums. That was Sabbath school time, but listen to me. It came time to preach, and there they had put a jazz band. And the fellow that was doing the drums happened to be the pastor. I didn't stand up and stop it. It was on the way, but I couldn't believe we were having a jazz band in church. So what I did when I I stood up to preach... I said, let's pray, and I said, God, forgive us for using a jazz band. I said that out loud. <laughs> and you can imagine when they shook hands at the door. And, uh, you know, some said, thank you, Jesus, and others, I'm sure, didn't have much to say. Uh, the rock rhythms, by the way, are, are sexy. They're They're uh, essential. And they can talk about the words, listen, I'll tell you, uh, it's not the words that, that make something religious or non-religious, it's the, it's the rhythms. Like, like someone has said, in a dentist's waiting room you don't have uh, the music for some kind of a murder mystery, uh, you know what I mean? A Frankenstein show is not played in the, don't tell me that the word, that the words are everything. In fact, the thing that carries a song is the melody. In fact, in fact, uh, I, I say that uh, I can see, uh, I can see rhythm where you tap your you tap tap your foot. You, you know, you got to keep the words from finishing before the uh, the music side does. But have you noticed even in church there'll be swaying. And then I say this: you don't worship God with your pelvis because that's what's going on. Anyway, God have mercy on us. I'm moving toward the sermon. I'm not there yet, but let me see. Let's see. Oh, you know, one of the reasons why the rock and roll is getting into some churches is because that rock and roll is played at home. It's played at home. In other words, what we're beginning to do in some places is we're bringing the way we are at home to church back in the old days uh, I can talk about the old days because I was there uh, anyway back in the old days you went to church to find out how to live a Christian life then you went home and by God's grace you, le- you lived it the best you could now we take the way we are at home we take it to church and it's awful what's going on you know what I mean it's, just, it's not right anyway the sermon's ready to go Uh, you know in the West Indian churches they have a thing that they use when they start the worship service and they call it affirmation of faith have you heard them do that before? that is they stand up together and they repeat the fourth commandment you like that? I'm going to do this little thing that makes my uh, mouth not so dry you know some medicine Well, one of the first things they do is dry your mouth here goes. Close your eyes. It's better now. Anyway, let's stand and, and affirm our faith. Fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work but the seventh day is the Sabbath, the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed. it. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, by the way, uh, Betty and I have had some experiences over in Europe, in some places, Russia is one place. Whenever they read scripture, everybody stands. If the minister starts reading a, a, a text, everybody stands. I, I, I like that. You know what I mean? That that shows some reverence for the Word of God. Uh, anyway, uh, the Sabbath. I, I was talking to a man one day, a young man, when he became a seventh-day Adventist. He lost his job. Now, that used to be much more common than before, because the laws would go to a six-day work week. But how many times I, w- I was talking to a young man who uh, spent his first days sleeping in his car. I never had to do that. You know, unfortunately, in some places, uh, modern evangelism is playing down the Sabbath. Now, now that doesn't mean they don't preach the seventh day, and it doesn't mean that those who are baptized don't believe in the seventh day. But I think in the, should I don't want to say generally how to honor the Sabbath is not being taught. Accept the Sabbath, believe in the Sabbath, but learn how to honor it, keep it, the people that are being baptized. In fact, one fellow said to me, nobody told us how to keep the Sabbath, so we just winged it. I was talking with a friend of mine who was a Bible worker, and she said one Sabbath afternoon, she went to visit a family that had just been baptized. And when, when they, she walked in the door, they were unloading the groceries. I mean, we're talking about, you know, five bags of groceries from Kroger's. And, and, and they didn't run and hide. They talked and just kept going with the, with the, with the unloading the, the food. And, and, and then, of course, the subject came up. And they said, nobody told us that. In fact, uh, unfortunately, there's a a new twist to Sabbath-keeping in lots of places. And and it's what I call creative Sabbath-keeping. And that's maybe uh, going out to eat. And of course, some women will tell you that going out to eat makes for better Sabbath-keeping because they don't have to wash the dishes or cook. I know some people that go to the beach on Sabbath. Now, I'll tell you, the beach is not a good place to go the rest of the week. Uh, it's pornographic. It's pornographic. Now, I'm not saying we wouldn't walk along the beach and see the shells, but we do well not to go over there to where the people are swimming. You know, now here I'm going to go, and you're going to say I'm a dirty old man, but I don't know why women seem to persist in taking the clothes off. The first mark of sin was they lost their clothes. And the first act of salvation was that God put them back on. So uh, anyway, I, I was sitting at a dinner table and there was a young wife there. And I don't know I brought up the subject. And she said, I want to be attractive. Or what was the word of Betty? It was attractive or she, she should be my coach. She's just sitting there sleeping. No, she's not. She's not. You know that woman takes care of me with my with my problem. Boy, she's wonderful, understanding and helpful. And I thank God for her. Anyway, um, what was I saying? You, you know, I know. I'll say that sometimes on purpose to check out, check you out, and see where you're at. So it serves two, two reasons. It checks to see if you're awake, and it helps me out uh, in trying to remember what we're talking about. Oh, oh creative, going to the beach and, and going out to eat. Uh, the, the Sabbath is slipping. It's slipping even amongst, uh, in, in our church, it could disappear. If I dare say that, And the word that will make the Sabbath almost break, if not break in many hearts, will be the word legalist. That's what breaks it. In fact, if you want to talk about holy living, someone is very likely to throw the word judgmental in your face. What are you, judgmental? What are you, a a legalist? Well, you know, I said earlier in the week, I said a person who with all their heart, wants to do the will of God is not a legalist. You tell them that. you got to be kidding. To want to do the will of God is a legalist? Forget it. And this word, judgmental. Listen, if I'm walking along and a guy comes running out of a bank with a bag of money in one hand and with a gun in the other, and I say, catch the thief, I'm not being judgmental. I'm being discerning. And so we've got to, in these last days, we've got to learn through the word of God to discern between right and wrong, don't you think? Anyway, uh, let me see where I'm at in this thing. Oh, I was talking about the Sabbath, maybe at risk with the word legalism. Anyone, if somebody asks you how you keep the Sabbath, uh, I, I, I'm guessing, or I, I, I hate to use the word bet, but you know, you know, I'm not saying, you know, bet, I'm saying bet. And I'll bet that you'll tell them what you don't do. How do you keep the Sabbath? Well, I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I don't do this. What do you do? We want to talk about that a little bit uh, during this talk. For many, the Sabbath has become a red light. In their Christian experience, they're going down the highway. And pretty soon, it was a red light. For some people, they're weak on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And you know, have you noticed that when you, when you drive your car and you're going somewhere, and the light turns red, you spend that time looking at your watch. And for many people, when Sabbath comes, unfortunately, they spend the time looking at the watch. In fact, that's happened in your church. There's going to be a a social, and they'll say, well, it's it's still Sabbath. Give me a break. What's the message? Still Sabbath. I was attending an evangelistic meeting when I was in Chile in South America and the subject during that night was, uh, was going to be the Sabbath and it was, it was interesting I had never seen this done before but the title of the sermon was uh, Adam's Mother's Birthday Can you imagine that? Who was Adam's mother? Mother the earth Anyway, he had uh, he had brought a, uh, the dirt. He had brought a, a cake. And as he talked about what was made on each day, he stuck a candle in there. And when he came to Sabbath, he stuck a candle. It was Adam's mother's birthday. And I thought, well, I've never seen such a thing like that. But then I got to thinking about birthday. You know, can we say that the Sabbath... Is Adam's mother's birthday. Because my birthday, who's your birthday about? It's about you. So when I talk about, you know, I'll say next week's my birthday. By the way, you know Betty and I have our birthday on the same day, don't we? Some of you who are here this week remember when it was, don't you? September 16th. September 16th. What about those of you who are just visiting today? Put Write that down. We were, but remember what I said uh, yesterday we're not the same age one of us is older than the other no no just one year She's not, she may look old but she's not that old no I think she's pretty don't you think she's pretty I won't have her stand up again but the birthday is for me and I thought, uh, an anniversary. I said, that, that's what the Sabbath is. The Sabbath is not a birthday. It's an anniversary. Because it, an anniversary is for us, not me. And uh, you know how long Betty and I have been married? Hang on. 55 years. Oh, d- come on, don't say that. I promise till death do us part. Save that amen till my funeral. (laughs) Anyway, uh, anniversaries are for married people. The world doesn't need the Sabbath. The The world needs Jesus, get that straight. Once you get Jesus, you get the Sabbath. Just like when I married Betty I got June 19 as our anniversary. When Jesus is the Lord of your life, you get the Sabbath because he is the Lord of the Sabbath. Anniversaries come once a year. God knows that we need special time with him more often. In reality, the Sabbath is not a red light. It's a destination. You know, uh, life is cut, in, cut, into, cut into pieces, seven pieces at a time. When we get to the time, place where we're honoring the Sabbath the way we should, the way we will, God willing, the way we are, you, you can't have an ulcer out of that, can you, Doctor? You can't because you're, you're resting every Sabbath. You're laying it down. You can say, I can't wait till Sabbath comes. I can relax and uh, so forth. Uh, how can we get the most out of, sa- out of the Sabbath? Well, the answer I've written down here in point number 18, my points are short; shorter. They're not too long, are they? Uh, did you ever hear the story I told you about the fellow over in uh, Montana? Sunday morning he went to church, and, uh, and 9 o'clock for Sunday school, and nobody came. And uh, then 11 o'clock came for the preaching service and still nobody came. About 11.15, he figured, there's been some whatever. I think I'll get my things together and go home. But just then, the door opened and a cowboy. Have you, have, have you been in those ranch places that they still wear cowboy boots and those hats? Anyway, that cowboy walked in the door, threw his hat on the pew, and sat down. The minister looked at him and smiled. And then he went down to the where the cowboy was sitting, and he said, well, brother, what should we do? We're the only one. And the cowboy said, well, if I went out to the field and only one cow came, I'd feed her. <laughs> what are you going to say? So he went back. Listen to me. He went back up to the pulpit. And he had the whole business, kind of like we do. This camp meeting is a bit, is on, on the clock. And uh, anyway, he went through the whole thing and he preached for an hour and a half. And then he had the closings of the works and then he marched down the aisle, you know, to say goodbye to the people. The cowboy had his hat in his hand, took the pastor's hand and said, Pastor, As I was saying, if I went out to the field with a load of hay and only one cow came, I would feed her. But I wouldn't feed her the whole load. (laughs) And that's what we get in sermons sometimes. You want to say, give me, you know, does this sermon have an end? Anyway, so the only reason I told you that was because I said I have points for this sermon in a short uh anyway how do we get the most out of sabbath you got to follow the question how do you get the most out of an anniversary you know betty was raised in orlando and this makes me what can i say i she had boyfriends before me and one of them's name was jim jim Lilly. i can say that because he's not here and, and and you know something through the years jim has come to visit us i'm telling you the truth in fact he's taken us out to eat and we've had him over but you know something there's a time that we would never have jim over in other words can you imagine me saying well next week is our anniversary why don't you get your old boyfriends and I'll get my girlfriends and we'll go out to eat It's all right for Jim to come and see you on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and all right up, but you don't have him on your anniversary. In the same way, you can do most any good thing the rest of the week, but you don't do it on Sabbath, because it's an anniversary time. You know, uh, the two things that I, I feel in my experience that make the Sabbath a delight I've written down here, one is to plan for it. You know, uh, if you ask me, uh, even now, say, what are you going to do on Monday? I can tell you, because I planned for this next week. So if the Sabbath is going to be a blessing to us, dear one, we're going to have to plan for it before it gets here. And another thing we're going to need to do, and that is get ready for it. You know, before I talk about that, you know, I'm an, my daddy was a minister. And you know what it was to be an Adventist back in those days? Listen, what you did, you didn't eat mustard. You didn't use vinegar, you remember that? Coca-Cola, of course, was out. You didn't read the funny paper. Of course, you didn't listen to jazzy music. My dad wouldn't let me uh, listen to these murder mysteries. And, of course, we didn't eat meat. Anyway, but, but I'm glad for that. That's who I am. I mean, I, I, I'm not kicking myself and I leave the church and all that, you know, and said I was growing in the minister's home and I'm out of here. No, that's who I am. As I told him the other day, I still haven't had a an hamburger and I don't resent it. Huh? I had a, a bottle of Coke one time and it was, you know, I was in Pakistan and somebody in the market gave it to me, I didn't know what to say but I, they gave me another kind of drink one time and there was a fly floating around in it yeah. in, anyway I, I, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist and I have a Seventh-day Adventist lifestyle from the generation which I've come I'm thinking that the Seventh-day Adventist lifestyle is diminishing it's diminishing it's becoming something of the head we believe it but we, have, we, we don't, we're going to get around it some way Anyway, uh, talking about uh, getting ready for Sabbath. Uh, for, for some wives, wives are working, uh, the husband and wife are working, and some work right up to the sunset. In fact, some have said there in the Orlando area they ought to have Vespers, Vespers at the supermarket. And uh, you know, it, it can do that. Betty and I have discovered that getting ready for the Sabbath makes it a bigger blessing. We've got four children, and our oldest one is Cindy, and she comes to visit us. You know, Betty will clean that guest room till the cows come home. I mean, you'd think we live in a messy, that room was messy before we, she cleaned it. No, it had already been dusted who knows how many times. But she wants to be ready when Cindy comes. And as Cindy tells us that the airplane's going to come at 3 o'clock, guess when we're there, 1.30. <laughs> That's the way mothers are and grandmas. Listen, to get a blessing from the Sabbath, be there when it comes. You see, that means it's not on our back. It's not a red light. It, it's a joy. In fact, now I don't mean to use the wrong example, but the best part of Christmas is Christmas Eve. Am I right on that? The, the joy of Sabbath is Friday night when we're ready for it and it comes and we sing. You know, and don't forget that. Whatever we do, we we have a custom that uh, we've gotten gone uh, gotten years ago, and that is we have a special meal on Friday night. And 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 for a long time we used our best china and our best stainless steel. You thought I was going to say silver, didn't you? Our best stainless steel, and uh, w- you know what, what we had now, if you're a nutritionist, just close your ears. We had, we have pizza every Friday night for years and years. And uh, we have, here I go again, close your ears. Uh, we have root beer. All these years, pizza, root beer, and pudding. And, and <laughs> now don't be mad at me, I'm a loyal son of the church. And uh, anyway, you know, it's easier to be a, a, a vegan than it is to be nice to your wife. The Buddhists, I mean, the Buddhists and the Hindus are vegans. Don't forget that. If you're going to make the nutrition the center of your life, you could, it's just, don't do that. Man shall not live by bread alone, even if it's vegan. Are you with me on that? Am I an enemy of healthful living? You'd say, yes, because you have root beer on Friday night. <laughs> but anyway, we had that special meal. We had the music playing in the distance, the Sabbath music. No, Friday night in honoring the Sabbath is not a big problem. It's kind of, we, we get ready for it, even if you have to start on Thursday. Then you're ready for it when it comes on Friday. Sabbath morning's taken care of because we go to Sabbath school and church. Unfortunately, in many churches, Sabbath school is diminishing. In other words, they go to to the Sabbath school lesson. I I think in in the church where I go there, they have the lesson for uh, an hour. Betty's the superintendent. How long do they give you, Betty? 15 minutes? Listen, the Sabbath school used to be the big event for a young... Did you see those kids sing? Boy, that was the joy of it. We'd have special programs. Uh, we'd have a mission story. When's the last time your church had a mission story? Or, Oh, no, S- Sabbath was the time we thought of missions. The Sabbath school class was big. They even took the record. They'd ask you if you'd passed out any literature this week. Guess what you did then? You passed it out. But you see what happened, in my way of thinking, is that we, we started to... Sabbath school came down to its lowest level. In other words, we said... Well, you can't ask anybody how many times they studied. They'll be offended. No, be offended. Be offended, but that can have an inspiration. And so to me, they were going to ask me how many times I studied the lessons. So guess what I did? I studied it. They would, are you with me on that? Oh, we've got to set a standard if we're going to improve. But to dumb it down just doesn't make sense. And I think in many places, we can do a lot more to make the Sabbath a delight. Sabbath afternoon is a problem, especially for mothers who have children. It's a problem for us men. You know what I used to do on Sabbath afternoon? Sleep. And do do you sleep, you fellas? There's a fella on the front row here sleeping already. <laughs> um, listening with his eyes. He goes, well, listen, uh, brother. Why don't you paint your eyes open on your eyelids? <laughs> no, my wife tells me not to do that. She, oh, oh, yesterday I overdid it with Jim, but he and our brother, uh, uh, I are brothers. You what on Sabbath afternoon? Listen to Stephen. to Stephen, boy, you live here. <laughs> Haven't those been good? Listen, I was thinking when I walked up here this morning, I can't think it in other words, if you were at Carolina Camp Meeting, which is thousands, I don't think it would be any better than this has been to you. This has been really good. But anyway, the Sabbath afternoon is hard, especially for mothers with small children. You know, Betty, with our four children, used to have Sabbath toys, and I don't mean monster man. Back in those days, it could have been little tinker toys or something like that. But it was only for Sabbath. Only for Sabbath. And by the way, Betty did something else, too, that I don't know if you've tried it, you mothers. With those four children, when I was preaching, she would sit on the front row. With, with those little children. And they, they, they acted better on the front row than they did on the back row. No, it's true. Wasn't it true, Betty? They did. Anyway, anyway, Sabbath afternoon is hard. But, and we got to plan it in advance. You see, if you don't plan Sabbath afternoon in advance, it gets away from you. Have you found that in your own life? You know, another thing, speaking of a red light, many people are watching. Watch, well, we've done it. Have you done it? Are you, you know, you're waiting for the Sabbath, the sun to go down. So, you know, you, the sun goes down. Just goes skidding down the highway. But we shouldn't run away from the Sabbath. We should walk away or maybe crawl away. And I remember I was down in Puerto Rico at the college there. And there was a group singing, Day is Dying in the West. Remember that? We used to sing that all the time. But it's kind of slipped on us to sing that. Betty and I have decided we need to do more to honor the Sabbath. Just over the years, it slipped. We still go to church on Saturday. Betty's a Sabbath school superintendent. I'm a preacher, but but there's so much more to the Sabbath than what you don't do. When Betty and I got ready for this trip, uh, coming down here, you'd think we were going around the world in 80 days. We we really got ready for it, but... um, Getting ready for the Sabbath deserves it. It's God's day. Uh, I've written down here, there remaineth uh, therefore a rest to the people of God. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter into that rest. What do you say? I wish we had somebody to play, don't forget the Sabbath. Are they here? Don't forget the Sabbath. Can you play that, son? Here Here she goes. You know the words to that, let's just kind of wing it. Can we do that? Now, am I supposed to enter the, uh, finish this by having a prayer or something? Am I the one that does that? You are. Okay, then, then what we'll do, we'll stand and sing Don't Forget the Sabbath, and then I'll have prayer. Will that be all right? Don't Heavenly Father, we look forward to the time when we go to church that you're there and that we'll be gathered around you singing, we'll be gathered around with you talking to us. Oh, Lord, we look forward to that time. You, oh Jesus, who've begun this work in our lives, finish it, we pray in your name. Amen.